You are listening to episode 130 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and not sure it can beat this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Ryan, you got that one just right, but that first take, dude, here on the Inflation I Deflate. I mean, are here we on change the Inflation Deflation Podcast. Uh, you know, I actually, I saw this funny thing on Twitter earlier this week, and I, I don't think I actually replied to it, but it was like, what is your podcast name backwards? And I was like, well, spelled backwards, it probably doesn't make any, like, any difference, but, like, instead of uh, the Game Deflators Podcast... It would be podcast Wait. podcast deflators game. I mean, podcast the... deflators the game. Almost, I guess. Yeah, you would, you would <laughs> switch. Yeah, you would switch the game around. It's true. <laughs> I was like, we should make a game called the podcast deflators. The podcast deflators. We just go around and review other podcasts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> should but you it listen would be a to game this? about it? Podcast deflators the game. Can you imagine game if we podcast. were? Can you imagine if we were just a podcast that like trashed other podcasts and that's all we did? Just like this one's not I'm worth sure, watching. I'm sure that exists. It has to, but if it doesn't, don't steal our idea, people. We're gonna make it happen. Maybe we oh. don't have the time, so we probably won't. <laughs> <Exactly>. Um <laughs> so uh this week, uh pretty good stuff. So we are gonna be playing Ninja Gaiden on the NES. We'll see how that is. If it's Nintendo hard, I'm gonna based on Ryan's description here, say that yeah. We're probably going to talk about it being a really difficult game. Yeah. Uh, we also have a few articles this week on the docket. Uh, we have a report of a new PS5 console with a 6 nanometer AMD chip expected in 2022. I'm saying nanometer because it says NM. I'm guessing that's what it is. Yeah. Um, Sony sued over PlayStation's digital store Monopoly, which the word Monopoly is used pretty lightly nowadays. Uh, and then the next one is court accidentally opens Epic versus Apple dial in line to all speakers. Fortnite kids go nuts. Um, that is most likely the most hilarious thing I read this week. Uh, just how that article opens was, <clears throat> it was good stuff. So we'll get into that in a bit. Yeah. But first, uh, weekly pickups. What'd you get? I got resident evil eight. Been so excited for this game. I know I've been talking about it for a while. It's finally here. I finally played it. It's finally cool. Um, so I didn't even really think about this until I was like doing the outline and stuff, but like, I just instantly, I woke up that morning, I bought it digitally and I just started downloading it so that I knew it would be like ready to go when I was like ready to play. And I didn't even think about it. Like, I'm just so comfortable with buying games digitally that like, even though like this game was going to be everywhere, like it would take me no time at all really to stop at the store and grab it after work. And then put it in and download it, you know, like I probably wasn't even going to play it Friday night anyways. I, I didn't play it Friday night, but like, I don't know. I just grabbed it digitally. I looked at like what the uh, $10 extra version with the bonus stuff was. And I was like, eh, I don't need that. I'm good with just the base. You know, if there's DLC or something in the future, you know, uh, I'm sure maybe i'll get it who knows i'm not always on board with dlc so i i think it was um a good purchase so uh how long have you played it so far i think i've been playing for like seven hours uh some of that i may have been just paused and asleep uh gotcha <laughs> last night and some of it is uh a lot of like backtracking and just trying to look around and trying to grab like all the treasures that i can find you know i've missed a few things that i can't go back and get but like i'm not trying to do a full completionist run because i mean if it's anything like other re's like you wind up playing it more than once so in the like seven hours we'll say five give or take from you sleeping uh is this a game that you right now feel that people should buy i mean if you're if you're as excited for it as i was i don't see any problem with paying full price for it like you know i just have always been fine with buying games at full price plus it'll be uh free like 
transfer over to PS5. So eventually when I get a PS5, if I want to revisit the game then, you know, it'll be kind of like a newish experience then. So I, I felt that like, you know, long term, it'll be fine. I know it'll have that same feature even when it's on sale or price drops. And, you know, some people, um, if you're just the kind of person that always wants to wait on games, I mean, there's nothing I'm going to say that's going to convince you to buy it today. But I don't think anybody would feel bad about buying it today. Like, it is supposed to be a pretty short campaign. I've heard from like anywhere between like seven and a half to 12 hours, depending on like how you pace it with like 10 being like maybe like an average. Mm -hmm. So I'm only halfway through the game and I'm probably about seven hours in or so. Um, So I feel like I'm getting my time and money's worth. Okay. So give us some um, spoilers. I definitely want to hear about this, like what you've experienced so far in this game. Cause okay. I'm interested, I'm interested in picking it up, but um, I kind of want to hear what your thoughts are before. Like if it's, you know how I am, man, like, I sometimes will pick games up, but you know, hearing seven to 12 hours total gameplay kind of leads me in a direction of saying, eh, I probably don't want to pay 60 bucks. I might want to wait. Yeah. So I, I looked at a lot of people's stuff um, before I played the game, just like, um, like skill up. He did a really good review for it. That was like pretty spoiler free, but really let me know what I was kind of in for. So uh, in this game, there's like, four or five bosses and the village is kind of the hub area and you kind of literally go off in different like spokes on this like wheel around the village kind of you know and you'll go off on this path and there's a boss that way you know and once you beat that you come back to the village kind of do some more stuff around there and then you know go down the next spoke to wherever the next boss area is and from what I've heard, they're all pretty different. So, like, the first area is uh, the castle with uh, Lady uh, Demetrisk, I think your name was. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of a weird spelling and pronunciation. Uh, so that's, like, the one that everybody's been seeing and has had the most publicity. And that's uh, very much, like, classic Resident Evil style, like, you know, in a mansion going around to all the rooms finding all the keys to all the puzzles and stuff and lots of backtracking exploring getting to know the area um not a whole lot of combat but enough combat to you know know what you're you know being able to like engage with like and i never have really felt like i've been like out of ammo or out of resources i'm well, just playing on normal what, difficulty okay yeah i was gonna ask what mode you're playing it on i imagine hard is probably like less ammo yeah like i it's definitely not like i don't have plentiful i have just enough for everything that i need so it's like okay like if i'm wasting a lot of my shots like i do feel like i have had to pull just the knife out or i've had to like run around until i can find something and then like maybe run back to the merchant and buy some ammo um the guns are cool uh it's got the same kind of like uh tetris uh attache case like organize all your items which i love although it's way less like detailed and fun than like in re4 it was like you'd pick up the ammo box and in your inventory screen it would be that same ammo box and you'd like move it around like physically almost and now it's like just a digital kind of like display and everything's like an icon or something so i i get it it's fine it doesn't impact the game um the castle areas very classic re uh the second area i went to um was really more like uh again alien isolation or not even that more like um uh outlast hmm. where you know it's like all you can do is run and hide and you're just picking things up and solving puzzles and you know everything's like really spooky but you can't like fight anything because you all your weapons are gone and that was like a fun, like little detour. Um, you know, I I would never be into playing like a whole game like that. And the Outlast games are like a lot more like real horror. This one, because like enemies are like werewolf type or like kind of like a vampire or like there was uh, 
the third one that was like the outlast style was really like uh haunted dolls in a mansion and like an underground lab and a giant baby monster like so it's just got this great campy feel where it's all like not as grotesque and like true horror it's a lot more kind of like fun re horror like is i i got a lot of that same vibe as resident evil 4 it feels a lot more like a resident evil 4 uh there's a lot of uh like resident evil iconography going on this one which there wasn't so much in the last one i think that um part of that reason is just because there's like chris redfield is like in the beginning of the game we see like the umbrella symbol like engraved into like rocks and stuff here as a part of these like old legends and it feels like you're starting to kind of come back towards like okay yeah what is up with umbrella like i i haven't really i didn't really do much of resident evil 6 and we killed wesker in 5 and that was kind of the last umbrella stuff that i was really in on because there wasn't a whole lot of umbrella stuff going on in seven until like the very end well i personally have not really dived into the resident evil series but this is the first one that i've actually like looked at and said you know what i actually want to play this and it's not because of the the big boob golf girls that's not the reason at all um but i mean it just legitimately looks like tall lady we'll call her tall. you know the other one the uh the other woman that's in the game the younger one that's shorter uh she actually in real life had died not too long ago oh really yeah like the person that actually did like i guess the voice acting and the model for that character died oh no. um yeah it's pretty crazy well, like I, oh you know what? i do think i remember hearing about this i mean this the all the performances are very strong like especially in like the the castle sequence like i mean those characters feel like really like expressive and like alive with the performances, like the way that Lady Demetresque has to like lean down under doors and stuff because she's so tall. Like there's a lot uh, going on that makes this game look and feel like really good. Yeah. And I think that was the thing that like bummed people out the most about her death was like, she would never get to see her performance, like how it was going to be, you know, taken by the audience. So that kind of sucks, but um you know, I heard it was pretty good on her end and, it's a good and really, yeah, I, I agree. And, uh, just from what I've seen and like videos and such, but yeah, I'm definitely interested. I definitely want to pick it up uh, whether or not it's 60 bucks. And, you know, at this point, why would I pay 60 when I know it's going to hit that 20, $30 range here at the end of the year. And I'm not going to play it until much later anyways, just given my yeah, current it, slate of games. Definitely. Yeah. You can definitely wait on this one. It's something that you're ready to like jump on like you know sometimes i want to i want to try to do my part for the podcast and sometimes i just don't play games for months at a time almost it seems like but i've been really killing it this week i'm still playing uh mario odyssey that's going along pretty good um resident evil 8 i'll be done with by the end of the week and then after that i can jump on to persona 4 that's my that's my plan carrying forward we're in may we're in may I got to still play Conkers. I can't really say much, but Conkers won't take me that long. And I just got to get the N64 hooked up and get into it. And once I hook up Conkers, I'm going to be in. It's just such a good game anyways that uh, I'm going to just be nonstop playing it, I feel. So we'll see how that goes. So I'll be playing Conkers on the uh, N64 for anybody that uh, just needs a little reminding there. And dude, hopefully I get into it. Can't wait. Um, but in terms of pickups for me this week, Obviously, I'm not playing any games other than house, but I'll get into one piece of a game here in a moment. Uh, but finally got my copy of Breath of the Wild. We use sealed, except it wasn't so sealed. It has a little nick where it's open on the top. So I'm going to be picking up another copy, returning the nicked one back to Amazon, and then going from there. And then I got my PS2 memory card adapter, finally arrived. I ended up finding the USB where all of my PS2 games are saved. So pretty soon, Ryan, we will be pulling those off of a PlayStation 3 and throwing them onto a PlayStation 2 memory card. And um, maybe one day I could finish up the Dot .hack series. Other than that, uh, I am looking to do a very big video game purchase here of my credit card rewards that have come through uh, from all the house crap I've had to purchase. So I'm not going to say what game because I don't want competition on this, but it's going to be like 400 bucks for a sealed copy. So Wait, I'm not, what? yeah, like I'm picking up a pretty rare game and uh, I've got a bidding right now. And a I've, sealed copy? 
sealed copy. I'm going to get graded. So I don't open it. I'm going to be one of those people, Ryan. But this is oh, like a legitimate. You told me about this, right? Yes. Yeah. So I've been wanting this game for a long time. I should have picked it up a long time ago when it was like 200 bucks. Now it's $400 for a sealed copy. I'm not happy about spending that much money, but I've had so much credit card rewards money coming through from all the house purchase stuff that it doesn't matter. Like I've got it covered. So I'm good on that front. Blurge. Yeah. So I'm going to splurge on that one. I've, I've done a lot of stuff in the last few weeks. I need to splurge. Um, but yeah, in terms of games, so while I haven't played any video games, I got a D&D update for us on my campaign. So the group finally cleared out. It was the Van Fimper Manor out in Boulder's Gate. They cleared that whole area out. They got a couple comrades come with them. They're on their way off the Candlekeep. And uh, right now it's one of those situations, you know, it's like a five-day journey type of thing going on. So I had them go through like the first day and they had to battle like a, a Cambian, which is a half devil or no half demon half um no it's a half devil half devil half tiefling pretty much uh so they battled a cambian assassin with a couple bandits almost tpk'd him which is great because one of them has wild magic and turned herself into a sheep and then the other one was charmed and he's actually the tank of the group so because he's the tank of the group and he was charmed everybody else is pinging this guy with like very minimal attacks and he's going through like just slaughtering everybody until finally like he rolled like a nat one i'm like all right you fall on your face and you take damage uh roll a wisdom check and he passed it and so he was able to come through and you know tank again oh, but man. it was dude it was brutal like it wasn't supposed to be that hard of a, a creature rating battle like in terms of difficulty like their two best fighters one turned into a sheep and the other one just straight up was charmed there's nothing they could do and so i'm just like I guess I'm going to try to not kill them, but at the same time, I'm going to try to kill them. So they got lucky uh, when he rolled that nat one. But so that was their first day. The second day, um, I had them going into, like they rested and the next day they were traveling and doing their thing and talking about some weird dreams that they had. And they got attacked by hobgoblins in the middle of the night. <laughs> and again, I fucked their shit up. I had a uh, hobgoblin devastator who on the first turn hits the entire party who's sleeping outside of two people with a fireball. And oh so they were wrecked. And so they were just like, we don't know what to do. But like it forced them strategically to kind of think about that battle and what they wanted to do. And I only threw the one fireball at them. Like, I'm not going to hit you with two fireballs. Like, there's no way I'm doing that. But... I had the Devastator Hobgoblin throw in uh, Mel's Acid Arrows and other stuff towards them. And they had some wild magic that kind of assisted them throughout. Uh, but that was pretty fun. They, they took care of the Hobgoblins pretty quick after that. And uh, Joel actually has, um, he's got a, a, a familiar creature, I guess. I'm not going to say exactly what it is, but he's got a little rat that he controls. And the rat, it's just hilarious how we have it play out in this campaign. So at some point you have Justin who's playing a paladin. And it's just tanking all over and he's missing this little hobgoblin and joel's rat comes in hops over his shoulder latches onto the hobgoblin kills it in one shot and justin's like remind me not to like screw up that rat any further <laughs> and so i just like animate it to where like this rat lunges out of nowhere bites its neck and is like dangling on it and like just oh, jumps man. back on his shoulder arms raised up like ah and so that was fun but here's where it gets kind of funny and where it kind of ended the campaign last night um so they're traveling and like after they beat the hobgoblins and they finish waking up, they see smoke billowing and bacon smells kind of coming out of the forest near them. So they're like, oh yeah, bacon. Yeah, sure. We'll go out there. So they get out there and I don't know if you remember, but never trust forest bacon, uh, never trust forest bacon, but they met uh, an orc that was in a flowery apron named Grodnads. And I think you remember who Grodnads was. Yeah. Do you recall? Yeah. So he is the yeah. necrophiliac orc that enjoys the uh, spoils of battle and so uh basically they uh they all knew who grodnats was but campaign wise they had no idea so they're just listening to grodnats he's like yeah and he's like uh, i'm retired from my profession as a a mercenary for hire and they're like yeah <laughs> we figure like you've been here for quite some time it seems and he's chatting it over with them and just like some of the context i was throwing in was just hilarious from like yeah uh they're like so why why don't you, uh, why aren't you a mercenary anymore? He's like, oh, the smell of war is just not the same anymore. And uh, they're just like, oh, that's disgusting. And they're just like, I'm throwing in like all these one-liners from Grodnads. And uh, I guess for a little 
context if you haven't heard like our DD episodes in the past uh check those out um you know spotify podcast addicts podbean etc uh, you can catch them on there and your podcast application and we talk about some of his favorite characters uh, that we've created grodnads is one of them and uh, he's known for um having sexual relations with dead creatures after battle and so yeah, so they're just talking to Grodnads, and at some point he's like, well, before you go, and he's like, I've got some potions and poisons that I'd like to offer you, but I need you to take care of a rodent problem for me. And he's like, we have I have squirrels that are destroying my garden. And so they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we can take care of that. And Joel goes outside, and he's like eldritch blasting squirrels left and right, and nothing's real. Like, there's just, they're coming constantly. And he's like, no, no, they come at night. And he's like, and there's a fairly large one that comes as well. So in the middle of the night, they're talking. I had to tie in like the Hell Riders history story from one of the characters as part of the the journey. And in the middle of that, I start the battle music up, and these red eyes start glowing from the trees, and these like vampiric demon squirrels start flying down towards them to take bites. And I like souped up the squirrels, but like midway through the battle, I had a were squirrel come out <laughs> of nowhere, and it was just like this 20-foot giant were squirrel with huge claws that comes out and it's just slamming them left and right. And so they finally took it all out. But it was just absolutely hilarious how I ended it, where Grodnats comes out, he's like, You did it. And he's like rushing over towards the giant squirrel. He's like, Leave this one for me, I'll take care of it later. And he's rubbing the side of the squirrel. And so I had them doing like a intelligence checks, and they're like, he's not gonna. No, he's not going to do about that squirrel, is he? So it was just funny. And so, uh, yeah, that's how I ended it last night. But a little update there on the uh, journey to Avernus, and in this case, Candlekeep. And one other pickup I had, too, I picked up two copies of the, well, three copies of the Von Richten's uh, Guide to Ravenloft. And so I'll probably put those online, two of the, two of the three, and uh, get those flipped here in the next, like, several months. They usually go for a pretty good price after a while. So pick them up for 50. It'll sell for about 120 here in about four or five months. You so. know, I've got a future pickup that I Do learned you? about. Yeah. Okay. So apparently Wizards of the Coast is doing a cross thing where they're oh, going to yeah. make magic cards out of 40K and Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And I am so down to buy a ton of both of those. And I want to run like, like an orc orc deck. Like you got the wall <laughs> orcs from 40k, and then like Lord of the Rings orcs in the same deck. I was like thinking up all these different ideas. Like you could have like Helm's Deep as like a special mountain land that can defend as it though it were a creature. That'd be or some sweet. craziness. Like yeah. there'd be lots of great stuff that you could do with those. I want to do like. Uh, a Sauron deck with dark elves in it. Yeah. It depends on, yeah. It depends on like what direction to go. I haven't seen any spoilers, but I've been picking up myself. Um, I've been grabbing a box of magic whenever they release it, like just one box of sealed product whenever they release it. Mm-hmm. So normally it's like a hundred bucks, 200. If it's one of the good ones, like the, like modern horizons two, I'm going to likely pick up a box of sealed for that. Um, so any t- any chance I get, I'm just like, you know, I the credit card rewards, for example, I use it for majority of my purchases because I figure if I'm going to be buying that stuff anyways, you know, put it on the credit card, pay it off literally instantly, get my rewards money of like 3%. So like, why not? So I take that money and I put it towards, um, you know, just different things I want now. And so I'm starting to put it towards magic product that's sealed and just kind of keeping it aside and not opening it. Uh, just seeing if it goes up in value. And if it doesn't, then I open it up and have my cards. There you so, go. Yeah, but the Lord of the Rings one, dude, like that, that excites me. When I saw that, I think there, there's a D&D one, I believe, too, that's coming out. So, like, it's Lord of the Rings 40K and I think D&D as well. Which, if you think about it, they have so many D&D crossovers now anyways. Like, um, I think they have Pharos, if I'm correct, in, um, in D&D, like a whole book for that. Uh, they have... With, like, a magic setting? Uh, yeah, so they have the World of Pharos in there. They also... And that's a mad... Yeah, that's a magic setting in D&D. Um, what's the other one? Uh, starts of an R, uh, Ravnica guilds of Ravnica. Yeah. That's the other one. This is a D and D, uh, magic setting as well, which is pretty cool. And so, I mean, some of those, um, I don't know all the lore tied behind it, but I'm not a big magic lore person. I'm not really a big D and D lore person either, but I want to say that those are, it's either one of the, one of the two, either it's start of D and D or it's start of magic. I don't know, but there's a crossover there. 
Uh, but yeah, so that's that's about it on that front, dude. So let's jump into our articles this week. The first one is going to be new PS5 console with a six nanometer AMD chip expected in 2022. So I will start. Yeah, I know you're, and this is by uh, Matthew Humphreys at PC Mac. So I'll start by saying that this is pretty standard. We've talked about this in the past, not necessarily at the PS5, but you see this with different uh, consoles in their generation. So for example, the uh, Nintendo Switch has gone through this, I think once or twice now, one of them being an extended battery life at some point in time. So if you look in the model number for some of them, uh, you'll see some that have like in the store, I don't know if they still have any more of the old ones, but you would have some that were the old model and some that were the new based on, I guess that skew. And you were able to tell if, uh, you know, which was a new battery, which one was not. I want to say that they improve. Oh, go on. I mean, they've done this with like so many consoles for so many different things. Like there's a bunch of different stuff on the 360s when they were trying to take care of like Red Ring. And I mean, how many different models of 360 in general did they come out with? Too many. Classic, like people always talk about the, um, I think it's the PSP 3000 is the one that has like a much better screen than the others. And it's like the go-to one for people that like want to be like in the PSP modding scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember getting a... these little updates that they hear. And when you posted this article, I thought it was actually something else I'd heard about this week that like there's speculation that Sony might be actually trying to make a different like chip configuration version of the PS5 so that they can manufacture more and get around the chip shortage that they're running into. And this article is talking about just kind of basically updating the processor and making like slight internal improvements, but still calling it the classic, you know, it won't change the, the style or the design, but that this will definitely push it forward towards the acquisition of a PS five slim sometime in my future that hopefully doesn't look like a, uh, giant wi-fi router or like it's got you know uh paper stuck to the side of it i just want a nice not giant not wonky looking artistic ps5 and if this makes that happen sooner i'm all for it so i actually was in a a facebook group i was reading in recently or kind of perusing through and there was a guy that took his outer shell in the ps5 and he scuffed it up like you would for plastic and such. And he went ahead and hit it with a matte black. And, uh, dude, it looks sick. I mean, the whole thing is matte black. It looks nice. I mean, other um, people are selling, like, different color shells and stuff online. But I want, like, if you're going to be selling different color shells for this, sell different shaped shells. Like, I bet you could make more money selling a unique whole you know profile version of a ps5 than just trying to resell what they're already doing just in a colored version that's what i want to see maybe yeah well i'm hoping that with this new chip if this does actually come to fruition because i mean it's only six months in but at the same time they're saying they're releasing it you know in 2022 so it gives it about a full year life cycle i think nintendo waited two years before they did their major not major but minor changes uh what i'm hoping is that this doesn't uh, take away from the backwards compatibility that they, when they do this, that they put it into a disc based version and they put it into a, uh, digital version as well. So I'm hoping they don't discontinue that disc version. I don't think they will, uh, just based on, you know, releasing PS five games, uh, disc wise, but we'll see what they do, you know, and, and there could be a situation where they say, Oh, well, we got to kind of like what they did with the PS three, right? No, oh, we'll start with backwards compatibility and then moving on down. Now nah, we're going to go ahead and remove it. Well, I wonder if this could even potentially lead towards more backwards compatibility so that they can try to compete with Microsoft in that market. Because I think that recently there was some more news about like a bunch of Xbox games that just got updated to like 60 FPS uh, caps or 120 caps. And I think there was even like. I'm pretty sure there was a game that got like bumped to 240 and these are all yeah. just like updates and they're just now all available on Game Pass. And it's like, okay, you know, fair play to Microsoft killing it still. Yeah, I mean, that's what's crazy. Like, I, I love Sony, but I mean, it's hard to deny Microsoft <laughs> with what they're doing, man. So I'm, I'm really hoping I can get a, 
you know, a new GPU in his computer at some point soon. I doubt it, you know, before 22 or 2022. But if I can get a new GPU, I'm going to hop on Game Pass, dude. And that's what I'm going to do for a while before I get a PS5. At this point, it'll just be a matter of picking up games like I've done in the past before a console releases, just so I have them. Uh, but we'll see, man. Man, I'm excited to see what this brings, man. Like more innovation power to Sony and hopefully more innovation for Microsoft. And we'll see some faster consoles, some slimmer consoles, and you know maybe some increased backwards compatibility for the PS5. Yeah. Uh, next article here uh, tied to Sony as well. So I want to get into this with you. I see what you wrote in your notes. <laughs> Disagree with Ryan on any account. So whatever stance you take, I'm taking the opposite. No, I'm just kidding. I, I do kind of have my mind on this. Uh, so Sony sued over PlayStation's digital store monopoly. Uh, so I'll let you start. And this is uh, by Nicole Carpenter at Polygon. Okay. So I don't remember if it said in the article but i know that i heard it um online somewhere but uh sony doesn't sell any digital codes for playstation games in retailers they used to they don't anymore you can go to a gamestop ev games whatever kind of game store is in your local area and you can buy a digital code for Switch games. You can buy a digital code for Xbox games. Can't buy any digital codes for PlayStation games. I guess you could buy like PlayStation Store money there, but nobody ever has a deal on PlayStation Store money. Sometimes you can get games on discount, including digital versions, at retail stores, but not PlayStation. So they completely own the sphere of their digital releases and can set those prices to whatever they want, whenever they want, for as long as they want. So something that you could easily go get used or, I mean, I guess throw used out the window. Something you can go get new on sale, brick and mortar, you're getting a better price. Sony should, you know, do what everybody else does and let there be fair competition in the market for our dollars and let there be digital, you know, sales in brick and mortar. Just make games a little more affordable and a little more accessible. So while I agree with you on part of that, I have to disagree with the stance on this being a monopoly. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, so it's not a monopoly. I mean, it really isn't. So yeah, Sony has all so of their... If you have the PS5 all digital version, where then else you... can you buy your game from? then you should have got a disc-based version because this has been around for quite some time. Yeah, so one of two products they offer, and you can only buy games for it from them. Yeah. And they'd be like if you could only buy your gas from the dealership. Well, here's the thing. Sony offers significant discounts on their games all the time. Like all the time, dude. I go on there and I see Sony games at 80%, 90% off all the time. I get it. If there's a, a game that's on sale disc wise at a store that you would want them to match that, right? Here's where it's wrong. Sony isn't the one offering that discount in store. It's the store offering the discount because they can't offload enough of the product that they've already purchased. So they have to sell it at some price point to move that product. That's the no, reason it has to you sit. go to, you go to GameStop all the time and take advantage of like buy multiple, get something. Yeah, but not on new games. Where it it's, doesn't matter. It's on used I mean, games. It's yeah, but never you only do the used games. Yeah, I only do the used games because but I'm not buying digital. I'm buying used copies. So we're talking about new. From a new game standpoint, Sony offers discounts all the time on their digital products. And on top of that, within the store, you can't it's comparing apples to oranges. If the game is used in or uh, is new in store and on sale, it's because a store is setting that price, not Sony. Sony hasn't changed their MSRP on that. The store has. So Sony is selling it for what they believe is the correct price. Now, I do agree. There are some games that you go on there and they're still 50, 60 bucks from several years ago and they should be discounted. But why would Sony discount it? It, it makes no sense. Like why throw a sale in there? And they're giving these games away via PlayStation Plus half the time. Yeah, you're paying the equivalent of five bucks a month but you have games coming in through PlayStation Plus. You have the summer deal that just came through. You have... Uh, tons of deals that are taking place through November, during E3 timeframe, during spring, during summer. Sony has sales all the time. So to say that, oh, well, it's discounted in store because it's new and I can only buy it digitally. Well, then don't buy it digitally at that point. 
wait until it hits a sale. I know you want to, okay, but we're, you know. we're moving towards like, like I was saying earlier with RE8, like we're moving towards like a place where people are more comfortable with digital purchases. And let's be honest, they're trying to mainstream digital platforms. So we should do as much early on as possible to diversify the market that we can buy that digital content in moving forward. Because if we just say, you know what? It's Sony's thing. They can just charge whatever they want and be the sole provider of that resource. And then when the PS6 comes out and there's no disc version, now you've already agreed that you don't get discounts when Sony doesn't let you get discounts because there's no competition. Well, think about it in this respect, too. You know, Sony has exclusive games. Where are you going to get them? You can only get them on Sony. It's like saying, well, hey, I have a Nintendo Switch. Why can't I get that Sony game? Well, because Sony has it exclusively. So if you want that, you have to no, buy but the Sony still product. sell that physical game in a store. Yeah, yeah, I totally so they get should that. sell the digital version in the store, too. But here's the, the thing. Difference? Here's the thing. Why, why do they get to only sell one? So for one thing, it's their products. They can sell however they want. They are offering a disc-based version in store. And the other thing is, too, say the game is multiplayer that you want to play, or multiplat, I mean, then buy a different console. If you don't like that Sony is not putting their games within stores digitally, then buy a different console. Sony does have discounts. So they do offer those discounts pretty frequently. Buy them at that point. You don't have to buy a game when it's 60 bucks. And when you know like you can get it somewhere cheaper. It so that you don't have any competition, isn't that making it a monopoly? Well, there is competition because there's two other there's major no video competition for this thing. Well, there's no competition for a lot there's of there's plenty of competition for other things. Yes, there's plenty of competition for both multi-platform games. There's competition in terms of they have used games in the market for the PS5. We're not even close to digital yet. Who you knows? Can't the buy PS... used games for a digital PS. I, I know. What I'm saying is that who knows down the future of the PS6 if it's going to have disc-based or not. What I'm saying is that you have used games for the PS5 if you have a disc-based version. If you have a digital version only, well, you should have thought about that. You wanted the digital well, version if only. You, if you agree with John and you think that companies are your friends and they're looking out for your best interest and that you're just going to do whatever they say, then you can agree with John. On our Facebook channel, Instagram, and Twitter, at The Game Deflators and at John, Game with, Deflators. You don't even buy digital <laughs> games. I, I don't buy digital games, and there's a reason I don't. Because I own the physical copy, and I don't have to worry about that digital copy going. We talked about this. We talked about this several episodes no, ago. Yeah, with the but whole... that's a different thing. Yeah, game I know. Preservation is a different thing than game pricing. I, I know, but what I'm saying is that if you want digital only games, well, that's the risk you take. You are your ability to purchase and keep those games is dictated by the company that you purchase those from online. Like that's a risk that you're taking. I'm not taking that risk. Hence why I buy used. Hence why I buy new disc. And I don't buy digital unless it's 100% only digital availability, such as an Apex Legends, which is free, or a Fall Guys, which is, of course, going to be 20 bucks on PlayStation. Or it was free. Or it was free, and I missed out because I had PlayStation Plus at the time. But I saved money because I didn't have PlayStation Plus for a while, so it ended up being okay. But yeah, so I mean, that's my stance on it, dude. Like, I don't see this as a monopoly. I, I see this being fruitless, this effort to try and, and sue them for that. I think that, you know, Sony has enough proof to show, hey, look, we, we offer discounts in these games. It might not coincide with what's going on in store, but, you know, those stores are dictating their prices just like Sony is. And yeah, you can only buy those. But I mean, how many games do you see, like, only on Nintendo Switch, only on Xbox, only on PlayStation? Like, if you want those games... You have to buy that console. So in this case, if you want that Sony game, you have to buy it digitally. Like that's just bottom line on those games. And you have those options to go to other competitors and purchase those games as just multi-plat, but purchase those multi-platform games on other consoles. Any exclusives, I mean, if, you, if you're a Sony fan, you're likely going to buy it anyways. And you can wait for it to come out digitally you, and be discounted digitally. You can wait for it to uh, be... On PlayStation Plus. I mean, you have your options. So, I mean, I just see this as somebody trying to open up a lawsuit just to open up a lawsuit in hopes that they can get something out of it. And uh, speaking of lawsuits, by the way, uh, the court has, or the court accidentally opened Epic versus Apple dial in line to all speakers. Uh, Fortnite kids go nuts. And this was by Tyler Wilde at PC Gamer. Uh, so, this kick us hilarious. off, Ryan. Yeah, kick us so, off. Uh, Zoom took the world by storm during COVID. 
and uh, courts as well. So they've been conducting all of these trials and stuff, all of the Epic versus Apple mega battle for the fate of the future of Fortnite on iOS. And during the Zoom meeting, uh, you were able to join as a host and be unmuted and all of these people started just like shouting over the proceedings. There was some guy who's like, Hey, follow me. Here's my, you know, tag. I'll follow you back. And like other people just being like free Fortnite. And it was, it's great. There's an audio clip of it uh, in this article and it's pretty good. Uh, it was, it was a fun thing to listen to this morning. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things where when you've got, Two big companies like this fighting each other and using, I mean, they've been using their audience, Epic has. Like, they came out with, like, the hashtag free Fortnite. I think it was, like, within 30 minutes or an hour and a half or something of, like, the announcement and the takedown of Fortnite on mobile. Like, they were prepared to use their audience in this type of way. And the fact that the court kind of, like, unknowingly allowed it to leak through is just, like, oh. I, if if it could have happened this way, I don't think anybody could have predicted it or, you know, skewed it to happen. It just happened by circumstance because people don't know how to use Zoom properly. Dude, I I love it so much. Zoom security, <clears throat> from what I know, is just not it's not exactly the best. I mean, we saw numerous instances over the course of the pandemic where there were like classrooms getting hacked and stuff and people joining in and court proceedings getting screwed up and meetings that were getting hacked into like from businesses and uh, like people walking naked on screen, like all these crazy things that were happening with zoom. And uh, this is just like, I mean, this is just 2020, 2021, you know, virtual conferencing one-on-one now, right? Like you just got to hop on unannounced and just cause havoc. That's what's going on. And uh, dude, I just, I'm not going to say like exactly what was said. Like you can read the article, but somebody talking about like sexual acts to try and uh, bring back Fortnite on mobile. I'm like, this is totally like a legal bribe. (laughs) It might be an illegal bribe in the court documents. That is, that is officially transcribed. Somebody's like, get that guy on the line. Can you imagine shouting over each other? Can you imagine a stenographer just like, yeah, just going crazy? Like, this is what I waited for. This is that moment of training. It's all coming to play. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, dude, this is a great read. And, you know, we'll have to dig in a little more on this as it kind of progresses the overall court battle uh, that's happening here. Because I think this is going to really set the standard for a lot of future. I mean, it is. It's going to set the standard for a lot of future. Some things. Yeah, for sure. It'll be a, a different standard moving forward for like those cross-sell opportunities with different applications and and organizations that are hosting uh, games and various forms of uh, applications and software. Um, But yeah, man, I laughed at this one. I thought it was good. Um, It does kind of show that Fortnite audience and who they are. And they're rabid, dude. (laughs) 100%. Like, they love their Fortnite. And there's a reason that that game has made billions of dollars over the last several years. And I think it's like annually it's bringing in over a billion, if I recall. So... Good stuff. I, I appreciate uh, Tyler here from giving us, you know, giving us the beat on uh, what's happening in the Fortnite court battle. But uh, that said, man, do you have any other thoughts on that before I move over? Uh, no, like I, I, I'm definitely very interested in the results of the trial. We'll see what happens from that. I yep. guess. And uh, cool. We'll go, go from there. All right. This week's inflation deflation, as we mentioned earlier, Ninja Gaiden on the NES and this was developed by Tecmo published by Tecmo and it is designed by Hideo Yoshizawa did I get that right Ryan I think I did and uh, it was released in March of 1989 and uh, wow this game's older than us (laughs) and uh, platform hack and slash with a reception around a nine-ish to uh, 89 and uh, it looks like it got game of year as well at some point in time yeah from uh, EGM yeah Good I mean, you, stuff. You only get game of the year the year you were released, John. That's true. That's true. I don't know. Like, didn't um, weren't there oh, a couple games that yeah. don't they get uh, like released towards the end of the year? Like, there's a certain threshold, and then they get it the next year. Well, or if you're um, Among Us, 
Yeah. Out, like a couple years ago, and then it, yeah. it got like all kinds of awards this last year because it got yeah. popular. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, so your initial thoughts on this one? Oh man, so Ninja Gaiden, uh, Ninja Gaiden. I didn't know too too much about Ninja Gaiden. I've seen Proton John's playthrough of Ninja Gaiden was like kind of my biggest exposure to it. Um, I know that it's supposed to be a really hard game. Um, I know that it's supposed to be like a pretty ahead of its time game as far as it's got like some story and, uh, at the time, you know, things were still very arcadey. So I think it had a lot of stuff that you didn't see in games at that time. And it really kind of moved things forward in a, you know, pushing it towards more modern sensibility of gaming that we know today. And I, I know it's absolute legend. I know that the 3d games are supposed to be pretty good, but really hard as well. That's most of what I know about Ninja Gaiden. Now, when we actually sat down and played it, it was pretty hard. Um, I want to say we got through just the whole first level. And then we did most of the second level, like I feel like we were getting towards the boss, but we never actually reached the boss. Yeah, because there's a Cause candle. We get past all those army guys. On it was top. no, it was a, it was the candle bros, the ones that are throwing candles or whatever the hell that was at us. Oh yeah, yeah, that is right. We did get to the boss and we lost, and then we just kind of stopped. Yeah, well, yeah, we got to the boss now, but we there was at one point in time in like level two or I think it was level two or three. I don't remember, but um, where the guys were like throwing those things, like it looked like Molotov cocktails and they look like, uh, like hammers. Yeah. I don't, Oh yeah. It was crucifixes. So they're crucifix bros, not, not candle bros. Um, But yeah, so they're throwing these crucifixes over the edge and we just couldn't get past them. We're like, motherfucker. Like just every time we tried to get past them, we'd get hit by one of those things and fall down. And so uh, that wasn't fun. Um, We did get past like the first one several times. And uh, yeah. that was that was good. But I mean, look, I hadn't played Ninja Gaiden outside of the 3D ones, which personally, I find the 3D ones to be much, much easier than this. Uh, just frankly, like that's my thought on it. And I love the 3D versions of that game. Like Sigma is probably one of my favorites, like favorite games I've ever played. Absolutely love that game. Um, but my initial thoughts as well, man, it did have that arcadey type of vibe going for it, uh, which is all good. Um, Got to love that during that time or that era. Uh, graphically, it looked fantastic for a Nintendo game. It controlled really well. It was pretty difficult. I think it was definitely Nintendo hard. And uh, dude, music, weapons, the different types of abilities you're able to pick up along the way, such as the fire and the shurikens and such. Um, the wall jumping. Well, I guess wall climbing in a sense. That was so hard for me. I had it's, such a hard time with the wall climbing. Well, it's mainly, you know, uh, part of it could be the controller and how old it is. And if the one I have is pretty decent quality compared to, you know, maybe another one, uh, which would have made it easier during that. Because you have to do like that quick kind of thumb roll to get up to the top when you're jumping up yeah. one wall or you're bouncing between two. Uh, so it, it came kind of naturally for me because I've, I've played a lot of games like that where you just have that that rolling of the thumb to try and get up. Uh, I guess Mario would be one or Donkey Kong. I, I don't remember. There's a few that are like that. Um, yeah, Donkey Kong, because you had to do it in a uh, number two, I believe, for Super Nintendo. Um, I had such a hard time doing that move and trying to climb those walls. Like, I think I lost to like a timeout in a level because yeah. I couldn't climb the wall by the timer. Well, and I did too, but it wasn't because I couldn't climb the wall. It's because I was exploring too much. And I saw the timer. It's like, you got 16 seconds to complete this level. I'm like, nope, no, we don't. We have no time to complete this level. Uh, but yeah, dude, I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, it wasn't Splatterhouse. It was still fun. Yeah. It definitely wasn't like the last game we played, but it was yeah, still fun. Yeah. Was just so incredible. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it was so good, man. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this game, you know, I, I would still give it like an eight an eight to a nine. Like I thought it was pretty good. Um, I think it's well, definitely worth picking up and playing. Yeah. I definitely think that one of the things that this has going, and this will lead us right into the bottom line here. This is an absolute classic game that, you know, people, when they say, you know, you should play games. This is one of those games. They say that everybody should play. Like it's really hard, but I mean, it looks really good and it does a lot for, 
gaming when it released and it's still pretty accessible i mean it's an nes game it's available for 11.23 loose right now peaked at 14.53 in march of 21 uh that's still a really affordable game complete in box it's 87.73 uh, which to be honest right now and to be honest that's pretty affordable as well for nintendo complete in box right now yeah and then uh, the NES versions are the most expensive and the cheapest. So any other version of the game uh, is going to be in between there. Uh, it's a good game. You should play it. If you've got an NES or you're a collector, you can pick it up without a lot of trouble. Like those are kind of the things that make this a great collectible title. I think is that anyone can reach it. And everyone sh who's collecting should have it. Like, as long as those are both, you know, easy barriers to entry, like, go for it. I'm 100% yeah. behind this game. 100%. I think that for something that's this kind of, like, quality and reverence to it, if if you were paying 20 bucks, I think that that would be reasonable. So the fact that you can get it for almost half that, you probably get it for half that, you know, De depending on where you go and what day it is yeah i mean this is a game you can easily find all day long at 10 bucks i mean like mm -hmm. any any sort of person out there selling locally or if you go into a shop like you could probably easily find it for 10 bucks i mean most shops will probably have it at 15 just because they they try to match ebay and shipping and try to get the most out of you know the most they can yeah. out of it but if you paid 15 bucks that wouldn't be a big deal. I think that's, that's still a win in this game. Uh, and given yeah, you that, shouldn't it, you have know, to hunt for it either. No, this is such a common game. And I think that's why it's held such a low value for so many years is because of how common it is. In fact, like Ninja Gaiden three is like super expensive. And that was actually the first Ninja Gaiden I picked up was number three. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a, a great title. I think you should definitely uh, pick it up. I'm going to say for my review of this is that it is deflated. I think that, uh, it's worth probably a little bit more than eleven twenty three. Yep. Same. All right, man. We haven't had a deflate in a while, huh? Yeah, well, I, I these are great titles. Like, even though it's balls hard, and I'm never going to be able to beat a game like this probably without taking some serious effort to do so. Like, I, it's still worth playing. Well, and we played this on. So now I think about the controller aspect. It was a brand new control because we played this on the NES Mini. Yeah. So, yeah. So I mean for sure like that was just really difficult to climb up those walls because those are brand new controls uh but yes yeah, so, i mean if you can pick up an nes mini it's on there for a whole bunch of other titles uh they're great uh but you know i've got a physical copy of this one too and you know this ryan this might be one where we need to just boot out the nes and get to playing it at some point just kind of sit back with a few beers and see how far we can get yeah yeah, yeah. it is definitely that kind of game yeah all right. Well, uh, you know, I think about it. We didn't decide on a game we want to play next week. So um, I do have the PlayStation Mini set aside because obviously I'm still not set up with my house. Uh, we've got the NES Classic that we can pick a game off of there. Uh, we have the SNES Classic. And then we also have the TurboGrafx again. So let's do another TurboGrafx. That's that was fun. I, I had such a good time with Splatterhouse. I want to see what else is on there. That is seriously the exact thought I had, man. Like I want to play another TurboGrafx game. So whether or not we play like one of the Japanese games on there, or we play so from PC Engine, or if we play an actual TurboGrafx 16 game, we will decide. But it's going to be on that console. It's going to be fun. So, all right. Well, this has been episode 130 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name is John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.